Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Mystical Matchmaker Podcast. All right, so I am testing something. Oriya, are you here? Yes, I am. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, you guys, I've been trying to get my guest on. I had to cancel the show and restart it and everything, and I don't even think it's Mercury Retrograde, but so I decided to... (laughs) To check and see if she's on. She couldn't get here, but her name is Oriah Mirza. So anyway, I'm going to tell you about her and bring on my guests, but I just want to thank everybody for joining me today on the Mystical Matchmaker podcast. If you are loving this show, I know there's a lot of people that have been listening. Please consider leaving me a five-star review on iTunes so others can find the show. And also, I have a free gift for you back at my website, MarlaMartinson.com. Get your free guided self-love meditation that I made in the studio. And I just want to say I also have a few slots left this month for angel readings. If anybody wants one of those, also go to my website. So the holidays are upon us, you guys, and I hope you take some time out just to enjoy the merriment of the season, getting together with friends, cooking up some special dishes, maybe taking a trip. And there are so many wonderful experiences to have. And I notice each year there's a lot of talk and conversations around managing the stress of the holidays. And this should not be a stressful time. If we just simplify and streamline these two months and not worrying about this big blowout experience and how things, you know, we can make everything more peaceful. And many people even have chosen not to give gifts this year because of the waste, not only buying things that we don't need, but the waste of the wrapping paper and everything. So we're, you know, a lot of people are choosing to do experiences or charities to donate to. So um, anyway, I uh, would love to hear about what you have planned for your holidays. Now to get to our amazing guest in conversation about magic and healing shamanism you guys is actually a lifestyle you might have heard about this word shaman shamanism lately and it's it's a philosophy and my special guest oraya mirza is a modern day shaman she has been helping people heal their lives for over a decade she's also an author and the creator of sacred medicine a fashion line that uses recycled material to help bring down our global garment footprint for the majority of her collections and i'm just going to bring her on to talk about her story and how she healed herself and how we can heal ourselves hello oraya hi marla thank you for having me on your show (laughs) we finally did it (laughs) I know we finally did it. Oh, my gosh. So I think this is the perfect time around the holidays to talk about this healing and and magic and all of this. Not only do we have the magic of the season, but a lot of people have 
like I said, stress or family members they maybe would rather not see, uh, things like this. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really good. I'm sorry, (laughs) it's a really good time. It's a really good time for especially right now, right before the holidays really hit, it's a really good time to stop and center yourself and really uh, decide how you want the holiday season to go. And you take all the exterior circumstances out of the picture. So you take all your environmental situations like whose house you're going to be at or where you're going to host your your own things, or you just take out all the um, – the outside part of your decision-making because it makes it easier for you to decide who you're going to be, how you want to feel, and then check in with your body to see how's your health. Are you eating correctly? Are you drinking too much? Do you need to cut back? Do you need to maybe drink more water? Do you need to rest more? Like this is such a great time to check in and really start to understand that this year doesn't have to be like all the other years if you would like it to be more peaceful. And there's steps I can share with how you can get there. Yeah, do that, because um, I think you had posted something on Facebook. There was some article about, you know, that people not buying so many gifts and that you weren't going to do that. And, 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 And over the years, you see people like gaining weight and eating a bunch of junk and drinking too much and feeling like crap and then going into debt with gifts. And uh, we, we, so give us some steps so that that doesn't have to happen. Sure. Well, you know, people really notice when things go wrong during the holidays. It's really, it's very exaggerated. People can really see, oh, they didn't like how it went or it was, it was too much of this or we didn't get enough of that. And there was, there's all these like um, decisions you make about your life and then you start the new year and everybody has these big new year's resolutions and everybody has like this new fire to start something new. I say start it before the holidays go in. Take this opportunity to start now and decide how you want the holidays to be because if you are really tired of repeating like cycles, here's a couple cycles I'm going to give examples. It could be anything from my holiday time is so lonely and boring to my holiday time is too overwhelming and exhausting. So anywhere in that matrix you will notice if your behavior is repetitive year after year. Is it the same? So this is such a great opportunity to catch this tiger by the tail, take a moment to sit down and decide, well, who have I been and who am I being that I keep creating the same scenarios? So, for instance, if you're, if you're experiencing loneliness or, or boredom or it's not special or it's painful – this is a great time to reach out. This is a great time to go and try new things you've never tried before and go and find meetup groups or go on Facebook event pages and, and go see what other people are doing and, and grab one person or go meet somebody there and try to start a new tradition for yourself because you only live once. And this is just this one life. We don't know, you know anything else. I mean, we know what we have right now. We can only speculate about right. everything else. So, so this is such a great chance to do that. And then on the other hand, if you're just completely overwhelmed and you're experiencing burnout every single time before, it even, before Christmas even hits, you're just dead to the world. You're exhausted. So that is also a great opportunity to stop and say, wow, how am I, why am I doing it this way and how am I doing it that it's creating this kind of feeling inside of me? And, you know, you don't know yeah. the impact that you have on other people. You don't know how 
this resonates with the people around you. They could be affected by your stress. They could be feeling your tension. Even though uh, you're only wishing well for everyone and you want to do the best you can for everyone, but because you're so uh, overwhelmed, people feel it, and it starts to put a damper on everything. And then people start to get grouchy, and no one's having fun, and then you're trying to, like, force the fun, and then people start drinking more, and it's just this cycle. <laughs> it just, right. You just you seem to can't get out of it. And people complain, but they don't realize that they can actually just, you know, it's like a, a wheel on a wheel on a carriage. You just like stick the the spoke in the wheel and stop that that carriage, stop that train from moving forward. Just end the cycle. So this is a chance for you to see. Well, maybe this time I want to do it different. How about I just want to cut back on my events by fifty percent? Maybe I need to spend more time meditating before or or you know, even after some of these activities I'm doing or, or choose different groups to hang out with things that are like less stimulating or things that are more healing. So there's all these options in how you can create your reality. And I was listening to the way you introduced your show, Marla, and I I just got a big Mm -hmm. smile on my face. I love when you said that we're here to create our reality because that's really what this comes down to is to step out of the victim mentality that you can't control your life. And that's the biggest farce in the world is to think that you have no say in your everyday moments. And that's really what my talk right. is about. That's what everything I'm everything I do in the world is to give people the insight that they have the chance every second of every minute of every day you have the chance every day you can rewrite your story. Every minute you could rewrite your your chapter. You don't have to be victim to patterns, circumstances, you know, uh, patterns of the past with other family members, culture, um, anything that's programmable. You don't have to be stuck in that routine yeah. of life. And and what and before even Christmas comes, we have something called Black Friday. And oh my uh, people, I mean, people have literally died. I think mm-hmm. have been shot, trampled, um, to, waiting out for 24, 48 hours to, to buy things. And um, it's really Can I share with you what I do on Black Friday? Yeah, I'd like to tell you what I do. Every year, I think for as far back as I can remember, number one is I stay home. Number two, okay. I stay off the Internet. I don't do any shopping yeah. at all. Number three, I meditate. And I'm meditating to calm the energies of the franticness of merchandise consumption. And mm-hmm. any part you can play, if you're listening and you're a healer and you're, you're consciously aware of the choices people make and you'd like to participate in helping raise the vibration of this planet, this is a great way to do it. So you just sit back, you can get a few friends, light some candles, put some music on, and relax and go deep into your core into your heart and just send, send calming energy to all the people of the world in their minds, in their hearts, that they can relax and know that they're fine just the way they are without needing to purchase things to prove anything or to validate who they are. So you just send this healing energy. And there's many healers around the world that do these meditations and help with these these type of cultural influxes that we have that are so unusual. And I'm sure in like 5,000 years, these things are going to be outdated and probably no longer happening. But yeah, that's something it's, you can that's do. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and I, you know, sometimes I'll see different years, people posting that, oh, you know, if they are um, 
poor or, you know, they don't have any money and they're struggling and they have kids and they're like, oh, I can't buy gifts for my kids this year. Please donate. Or it's, it's my kids are going to be without, the, you know, their PlayStation or whatever it is, this, you know, this year. And, and it's like such a tragedy It's be, uh, because we've been programmed to think that that's the only way to be happy is to have these gifts under the tree where, uh, I, I just think that's, I, I look at it and I think, oh my gosh, you know, they could just be making Christmas cookies together or singing some Christmas carols or making something for each other or writing some poems or, I don't know, maybe I'm too simplistic here, but no, actually, you know, some people, that. right, some yeah. people would think what you're saying is considered woo woo, but it's not. It's actually what you're talking about is being connected. And what do children want more than anything in the world is to feel connected to the people that they want to be connected to. It's a little more challenging in the age of technology now, uh, this new generation, but there are ways you can still connect and find equal mediums and places you can play that they're, you know, our kids are more savvy than we were when we were growing up, you know, and they have different Mm -hmm. ways they like to express themselves now. So I have five children. My oldest is 27. And in the, in the years of raising my children, I was a young mom. And in those years, uh, I was married uh, several times. What was that? Mm -hmm. Oh, you had just cut out. I was Uh, married several, several times. And I've had uh, two fathers and uh, five children between them. And I remember having such difficult and um, to- almost torturous experiences of pain with divorce and going through a lot of the parental alienation and different things I've experienced with my kids. There were times when there was really no Christmas the way I would like it to be, and there was not the kind of feeling I wanted with my kids. And instinctively somewhere in me I knew that if I can just get on the floor with them and just connect like sit down like you said you know make cookies like in my case I would sit and like create like an art project or something but I would I wanted to look in their eyes I wanted to make sure they understood I was there with them in the middle of these storms I wanted them to know that I'm here even though I may not have seen them as much as I wanted to in the divorce because we share custody but when I was with them it was that connection And that connection is worth more than Christmas presents. It's worth more than anything in the world. And, you know, when I take my kids out and we have outings and we do fun things, you know, I'm always very aware not to be a Disneyland mom. So I try my best to when I'm even if I'm having a good time out with them, I always want to make sure I'm holding their hand. I'm talking to them like my oldest son. I still stick my fingers through his hair and mess up his hair and I still hold him and stuff. And, you know, he's this big man now. You know, And I don't care. Like what I want them to know their mother is present with them. Their mother is connected to them. I'm connected to their hearts. I'm connected to their souls, their 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 lives, even though I don't know every single tiny inch of what they do, but I am there with them as deep as they can go. I am there. I just want them to know that. And to me, that's the only thing that's tangible that feels real to me other than any amount of Christmas trees, any amount of holiday time, presents, gift giving. Your kids want to know you're present. That's the present. Right. Now, what yeah. would you suggest to parents who there are parents who are divorced or going through something like that? And, and when the holidays come around, uh, one of the parents is going to, I guess, lose out on having the kids on this on that holiday or something. And there can be a lot of anger around that. Um, so true. Do you have any it's true. You know, I've done it that? many. Yeah. Well, I've done it yeah. many different ways. And, you know, usually what happens is the parents are within the same state, at least, or or 
region of the same state because uh, legally usually you can't separate kids into different states. Sometimes it does happen. But if you do have regular access to the other parent and you can connect, what I have done in the past is I've either done splits where I have uh, Christmas Eve and then he has Christmas Day or mm-hmm. I, he takes them somewhere, you know, he's going to go on holiday or something and takes them for the Christmas week, uh, the whole week, and then I'll have them for, like, the Thanksgiving week. So we do trade-offs, and then we do every other year. And then when the kids got older, they started deciding what they wanted to do anyway. <laughs> because right. after a while, friends started <laughs> to take over, you know. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So we have found this medium, but you know, after all these years, I look back and I keep saying to myself, what's, what was the one thing that stood out out of all the beautiful and fun and exciting things we've all done as a family? It's always my connection to them. I think that that has been the through line that has been the heartbeat of, first of all, I have to say it's my, for my existence, because I mean, there was many times I was suicidal when I was in my early twenties and going into my early thirties. And it was very serious. And I was suffering from extreme PTSD and I didn't know how to solve it. And I was drinking every day and I couldn't see my kids and my husband at the time, my ex-husband took them from me and I was suicidal. I didn't want to live on the planet. So it was, it was, them that actually kept me here it was the fight to live it was the fight to survive for them and they became my grounding rods they became the reason why I got up in the morning and what I some parents have a hard time struggling with what do I do with my kids I'm trying to start a career I'm trying to uh, do things and I have too many responsibility with my responsibilities with my children how can I have it all and, you know, if you slow everything down and go to the, the root of why you had children, if you go to the core, which is what I always like to do, is always go to the core of everything, and you find out the reason why you had children is for that connection. So if you slow everything down, you realize that you can have it all if you restructure your life. So you can restructure everything in your life so you can experience what you want. It's just how you go about it. If you go about it rushed, or feeling like your house is on fire, or you feel like no one's going to get enough, or you're never going to get to where you want to get to, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. But if you have the peace within you as step-by-step, it's almost like you're giving yourself a step-by-step instructional video. <laughs> like that's how I see my life. I'm very, I'm very dramatic that way in my, in my imagination. But I imagine myself like, what would I do if I had to like instruct myself on an everyday moment and, and have it all, what would I do? So I, I'm, it's almost like I'm, I'm kind of guiding myself while I'm teaching myself, while I'm experiencing myself. So it slows everything down. So there's nothing manic. I'm not having manic experiences. And everything yeah. around me could be crazy. I could be having phone calls coming in and letters I don't like to see and children saying things I don't want to hear and phone calls coming in that it's inappropriate timing. Like I could have what we, you consider all hell breaking loose, but as long as you yeah. understand where you're coming from and you understand why you're in that situation, why you called it all in. Is it because you're expanding? Is it because you want to experience more to life? Or is it because you're learning how to slow everything down? So this is when I started playing with, my, with alchemy. So alchemy is, you know, the energy that you're moving your, yourself through a room, moving yourself through relationship, moving yourself in and out of situations. There's 
chemical reactions, there's attraction, there's frequency matching, and when you have that, it's called alchemy. So it's like you're moving, it's like you're, it's very magical. That's why people call it a magical, mystical experience, because you can't see it, but you can feel it. And you're moving through alchemy as you're moving through your day. So as you're moving through your life, when I'm alone in the, just getting up in the morning, going to the bathroom and getting ready, I'm in my own alchemy right there on the spot. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel that way, mm-hmm. <laughs> Marla, when you yeah, wake up? Yeah, that's you're immediately in it. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. immediately yeah. recognizing that you are the creator of your moment. When you start to get to this place where you're recognizing that it's up to you, you start to become more and more aware of what you are creating. So then you start to feel the alchemy in how you're creating things. So if if you're starting to you're starting your day and it's already just bad news, then you can check in and realize, okay, so this is a moment for me to just understand what's happening like for me i'll give you an example this morning when we were getting on our interview our blog talk interview Mm -hmm. we had nothing but technical (laughs) difficulties my reaction was laugh i just started laughing i was just laughing and laughing because i was saying of course of course this is exactly what i need and exactly maybe what you need to have fun is because we are such playful people to begin with and so we have these moments to remind us that it's it's all fun it really is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sometimes that'll happen on Blog Talk Radio, and it's just like, oh, great! You know, this person has taken the time <laughs> to be on my show and make, carved it uh, out, and then now they're getting dropped or it can't, won't work, and I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, screw it. I'll just. <laughs> but but you kept you kept calling it back. So yeah, um, I love what you said about frequency match. So um, you guys, yes. for a side note here, listeners, um, Oriya is married to Riz Mirza, who is also my healer, my shaman, my mentor and teacher, and he channels a, a um, spirit guide called Red Eagle, and they do a circle of light. So Red Eagle always talks about, for instance, there'll be a lot of single women in the circle saying to Red Eagle, when am I going to find love, and how come I can't, you know, get the right match? And then he says that anything that we are uh, experiencing or a person in our life or anything is a, a direct frequency match to us so um yeah talk a little bit about that frequency match because even if you're uh so let's say you are divorced and a lot of people have a lot of drama with the ex and but we've got to how do you how can you tell help people to get on a higher frequency where this kind of uh chaos uh isn't happening or attracting this kind of um drama in their life Well, this is a really, really good question, and this happens to be one of my favorite questions. I have so much fun explaining this and how this works because I was so blown away with the results when it happened to me when I finally figured it out that I – I just wanted to share it with anybody who can – who would listen. So here's how it works. So if you're unhappy with your – with what you're attracting. So let's say it's in, in this case, we're talking about a person, right? So we're just talking about like, let's say, would you like to discuss the intimate, more intimate relationship, right? We just, cause you can bring this into just business. You can bring it. Let's talk about calling in the soul. Intimacy. Exactly. Sure. Okay. So you're unhappy with what you're seeing. You don't like their behavior. You don't like where they're coming from. You don't like anything. 
Now, it's so interesting because the first thing a person naturally wants to do is try to change that person, and if it doesn't work, they try to kind of remove themselves from the situation and just ignore them and say, whatever, just go do your thing, and you just kind of move on and ignore them, or even it goes as far as divorce, which I've had many of those, so I really understand that need to get away. (laughs) Yeah. So Riz is my fifth husband, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I put in like close to 30 years yeah. of marriage with uh five different men. So And my hubby Adolfo is my third. So I'm catching up oh, with you. There you go. <laughs> Boy, you know, like I really wouldn't give up on love, you know, that's what it was, but right. I'm so glad I started to understand this uh this philosophy. It's almost like a um an understanding. So how frequency matching works is this. So if you don't like what you see in another person, the very first thing you have to understand is the reason why you were attracted to each other in the beginning was because there was an attraction. There was a frequency match. That means you guys were aligned on different areas of your life in some way, shape, or form. There was a connection. What happened is over time, the per- one person moves in one direction, the other person doesn't or moves in a different direction. So immediately you're recognizing there's no frequency match here. So what you do is you start rattling your cage, you start getting upset, you start throwing things and and getting the attention of the other person to let them know we're no longer aligned. There's no more frequency match. What do we do? What do we do? Now, usually what happens, what I always see 99% of the time is the other person doesn't care or get involved or want to fix it because they don't think there's anything wrong or they just have not seen it was an important thing to talk about. So then the other person that's upset keeps getting louder and, and more dramatic to get the point across that I am, and I am unhappy that we are not matching in our frequency anymore. We're no longer aligned. What do we do? I've been in this situation many times. So what I learned is when I stopped making it about the other person, which you guys have probably heard many, many, many times in different ways, but let me break this down. Yeah. So when I stopped making it about the other person and started reflecting on, well, what is it that I'm trying to say? What is, the, what is the communication I'm trying to get across? I'm trying to say that I am no longer where you are. That's really what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say mm-hmm. I am no longer aligning with you and I can't see where you're at anymore. I can't find you. And then you're asking them, can you find me? Well, yeah. if you're not very clear with where you are yourself, it's going to be very hard for the other person to find you anyway. So it's going to be very difficult. So let me explain to you what that means to find yourself. So let's okay. say you start moving away, moving on with your, your evolution, and you start to get nervous that you no longer have a connection to your partner. That nervousness can appear very panic-ridden. And how that looks to the other person is there's something really wrong. So how you change that is when you realize that it's really up to you how you want to be seen by the other person, it's up to you. It's not up to them. Never, ever, ever it's up to them. It's up to how you want to appear. How do you want to be seen? How do you want them to find you? How do you want them to feel about you? How do you want them to view you? Just like when you guys first met It's the same thing. You presented yourself a particular way. You showed yourself a particular way, and that person resonated and understood exactly what you were conveying. This is who I am. And they said, I like it. 
I want more of that. And that's what connected you guys. Now, here we are, let's say years later, you've made a big evolutionary shift. Now you're moving into new areas and you would like your partner to come along and you would think that you should just snap your fingers and they'll go, oh yeah, okay, there you are. Let me go find you. And then they change with you. But that's never how it works, ever, ever, ever. So what you do is you actually have to kind of go back to the basics and remember like when you create yourself, it's for you. So when you do it, how pretty do you want to make it? How beautiful is your journey? How wonderful is your experience? If you're having a wonderful time and really enjoying your life, it's very hard not to be attracted to that. Another person across from you is not going to be turned off by you enjoying your life unless you're kind of like throwing it in their face in a very um, sarcastic way. But if you're being very genuine and coming from your heart and just experiencing life in a new way and showing them the beauty of what you're experiencing, they would be curious. Any natural human being would be just normally just curious. They want to know what is it that's making you like that? Why are you changing What is the new thing that you're doing? What is it? Can I see it? Can I know more? And before long, if that partner is interested, they would come forward. If they're not interested, this is where a lot of women, especially women who have these evolutionary shifts, and it happens to men too. Mm -hmm. I have some male clients going through it right now. But what happens is they, they try to bring their new evolution, their new way of thinking to their partner, but they didn't realize that their partner kind of left the train station a long time ago. And because mm-hmm. both people weren't paying attention, when when the person having the evolution tries to come around and like bring the other person in, they realize they're too far gone. They, they, they're they right. so far back into the past of where they kind of dropped off. That, when that happens, a very serious intervention usually has to happen. A coach has to come in or a third party where you sit down and actually have a real discussion about, okay, here's what it's going to take to bring you guys back together. We're going to have to, like, chop right. this tree down and let's see what's in here. we got to get, like, you have to get serious because then otherwise you guys are just going to have a miserable time and waste each other's time. So once that happens, both parties get a chance to see if there's anything here, to see if you can have a reconciliation and if you can have a frequency match. I have, you know, there's 50-50 shot that it'll work because there's the one side that it works perfectly. I've seen couples totally rebound completely and are like newlyweds. They're they're Mm -hmm. on a new plane. They're having a new life. They feel just ecstatic together. And there's other couples that realize, you know what, it's just not, it's not for me. I'm not there yet. This is not where I'm at. I don't want to do it this way. So the, you know, the decision is made that it's no longer useful to be together, and, and there's a divorce. And when that right. happens, you know, it's devastating, but a lot of times it's to open the pastures up for you so you can have more room to, to grow and walk and, and discover who you are. And sometimes that's the best thing that can happen to both people. Sometimes the greatest awakenings come for the person who was left or the person who just wasn't ready. And uh, if the other person who's evolving needs to move on, sometimes what happens is just in that act, there's an activation that happens. So you've completed your mm-hmm. mission as a soul in helping that person activate. Because that's really what we're trying to do on this planet is help each other evolve. Does that all Absolutely. make sense the way and, I, I explained and, it? And- yeah, and we and we tend to blame the other person instead of doing our own work. So that that's Absolutely. a problem right there too that we need to do now. But what about the the people that are uh, trying to, that are dating and wanting 
to find that partner. I hear a lot of women who say, um, since I'm a matchmaker, I talk to so many women, and some of them will say, oh, yeah, I just broke up with a guy. I found out he was a narcissist. Or, you know, they find out that they're, they're, they're cheating. Or So it, it, it's interesting because there has very... to be a frequency match yeah. there. You know, they, they get involved with somebody. Well, didn't you see any signs in the beginning? It's like, oh, we got together, and then he started doing this. So there had to be some kind of frequency match there. So talk about that one. Yeah. You know, this is where it gets, this is probably to me, this is the most creative time in a person's life is when they engage with a new person for the first time. This is when all the ju- the, the juices are bubbling. You are literally in your alchemy. You're 100% feeling everything out with all of your senses, you're really wanting to understand who the other person is. It's a very beautiful time in a soul's life when the, when you have that first connection and really trying to understand who that person is. What I have seen that happens, and it's like, it's like I hate, it sounds so horrible, but it's like a disease almost that has come through this, uh, the pipeline to human nature is that we have misunderstanding that we are supposed to make all the decisions of our life based on how the other person behaves. And it's right. so interesting that we were raised this way because you almost can't even get out of it because you could prove it and be right and have evidence that it is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, it is the other person for sure, right? And it's mm-hmm. never you, Right. And you yeah, never really know what's happening. Right? You, you are so right about it. You cry to your friends and you you can write blogs and articles and books. <laughs> and you really believe that it, and you build such a strong case. Even if you're 100% correct, here's the one thing that most people fail to go and investigate about themselves is they don't look to see, well, how am I creating myself in this moment? So here's where the big shift is. When a person who is in the middle of the beginning of a dating experience, when a person doesn't, and this is really tricky, this is very advanced level. So anyone listening right now, I'm not saying that this is like for kids. This is not easy. This ha- you have to be ready to put your big boy and girl pants on for this because you have to be able to step into somebody else's vortex, into their world, just like they're doing with you, and you have to be able to know who you are, where you're at, and what you're doing without blame, without making anyone wrong, not being upset about somebody else's behavior because they're just doing them, right? They're just doing their life, mm-hmm. how they like to do it. Yeah. yeah. And you manage yourself and manage your environment and manage the way you move through your environment exactly the way you would want to for yourself. You know what would be very interesting? Somebody from the outside could see you doing that, and all you're doing is taking care of yourself and healing yourself, and you know what they could say? You're being a narcissist. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. So the person Mm -hmm. that's actually healing and taking care of their environment and taking care of their bodies and feeling good about themselves and not letting anybody else, like, distract them from that and they have – they're full of love and they're just wanting to like help humanity and they just have all good intention, but somebody else may misunderstand that and they can say, Oh, well, you just seem very, you know, stuck on yourself. You're very narcissistic. You know, you're all about you. And the person Mm -hmm. taking care of themselves will say, well, I am all about me. I'm actually making sure that I'm actually taking care of myself and doing the right thing for me. And what's interesting is that 
when women and, and men, women are subjected to this more because women uh, are very, very sensitive when they first get into a relationship. They're very open and they feel like they're going to get hurt immediately. So they immediately start to put up barriers and it starts to get really complicated very fast. So men have been raised a little bit differently, I think, and there's been a little bit of a different kind of approach where men uh, – that happens maybe a little bit later, but in the beginning, it's more about the fun and, and the connection and it's not so much. And that's a general approach of what I'm saying, but this is just what I've seen over the years. And I know there's variations to that, but so what happens is, is if a person comes into a relationship and they are open for, for the idea that that person can do something to them, you're going to hurt you're going to hurt me you're going to uh steal my heart you're going to break my heart you're going to lie to me you're going to cheat on me cuz that's what's happened yeah. in the past you look like the kind of guy who would do xyz you look like you're dangerous you look like it's not that you're putting blinders it's that you're not giving that person an opportunity to be something else you're not giving them a chance to be a different person even if they were the most horrible person in the world what about if you were so amazing, you changed their lives? You know how many times that's we're, happened? We're projecting, though. We're projecting. Totally. But also saying that changing, we don't want to also, women think they can change somebody or the men, you know, they think they're going to change well, a partner. That, which, you know, there's you know, a fine line yeah. between helping somebody through just being in their life and being a wonderful human being. Yeah. versus actively trying to be the doctor or the nurse and trying to care and take care of. You know, no one is forcing a person to do that. When when I see people who come in and they're in dire need, if I were to immediately only come from that approach of that I have to fix what ails them, heal them, help them, and, and do that all the time, what happens is the person never feels that they have kind of like an opportunity to be healthy because it's always me explaining to them all the ways they're broken and how I can help them. You know, there's a, you're going into territories, very fine lines here. There's very, very subtleties. You have to go in with a fine-tooth comb and get very tiny mm-hmm. here because there's a lot of details. When you're healing someone, if you're coming from empowerment and you're coming from love and you're coming from expression and enjoyment, that person will feel it. And that person will know that you just want to have fun with them at the end of the day. You don't want to heal them for 25 years or a thousand years. You want to play with them. You want to have fun. So when you're healing, there's an end, there's an end goal. So you want to let me help you with this. Let me help you with that. Meanwhile, let's have fun. It's always enjoy yourself while you're healing. Healing should not be scary. If there's, if you're helping somebody and there's fear involved with both parties, there is no healing taking place. Keep mm-hmm. in mind, when you're in the middle of a yeah. healing process with someone else, if there's fear on both sides of the party, you are not actually experiencing healing. What's happening is there's an enabling going on. There's trigger, triggers between the two of you. It's you both trying to recalibrate together, and it's kind of like two people out in the ocean kind of like almost drowning together. And one's trying to help the other. So what I would say in situations like that is the person who's trying to do the healing should step back and recalibrate. That person needs to get coaching. That person needs to get uh, some healing for themselves and to release some pain before they can step into another person's vortex. Before you take on a role of healing, you need to understand where you're coming from. And you need to understand that it's a very light experience. It's not a heavy experience. If you're experiencing heaviness, 
when you are healing another person, then you are not in a healing vibration. Healing is a very light frequency. It's very, it's very relaxing. It's very peaceful. And that's why it's so effective. And that's why the person on the other end feels it. So even if you yeah. start dating somebody who you are like, oh, no, this person's going to need so much. Now, why were you attracted to that person in the first place? If there's something there that you feel that is worth looking into and you really feel that you can help this per- person to be a better person and have more fun in life and enjoy their life, you can bring all your gifts to the table, but don't beat them over the head with it. And don't make <laughs> them wrong because they're not seeing you. Understand your role as a healer. You're giving a gift. You're not, you're not pounding something into their, into their – who wants that? Who wants to have right. something pounded into them, right? So what you're doing is you're presenting yourself. The presentation is everything. How you present yourself. If you're presenting yourself as a conscious woman or a man and you're a healer, then there's a different vibration you're bringing to the table. So it doesn't matter who steps into your vortex. It doesn't matter if they're, if they're um, hurting or traumatized. It doesn't matter who steps in. Your impact will be made. It's just how you perceive it. Is it being perceived that somebody's taking from you, damaging you, or are you hearing it from or seeing it from that you are guiding them? You see how much power the person that I'm talking, like the, the person we're speaking about, which would be the, the listeners, whoever is listening in right now, the person who's in a relationship, that person, you, you see how much power you have? You have the power of presentation. You have the power of where you're coming from in your, in your core. You have the power of uh, your truth. You have the power of how you want to take care of yourself head to toe, your healing abilities for yourself. You're, you're coming from such a nurturing place for yourself. There's no martyrdom involved. So when you are talking to somebody, you're not open for any kind of victimization. That takes care of that right, right there on the spot. So they don't feel, first of all, the other person is not feeling anything is in jeopardy because they don't feel that you're going to be easily swayed anyway. So it doesn't even matter. They're not going to be interested in hurting you in that way because you're not open for business in that category. You're not open door for um, I want to be hurt. I know this sounds crazy. I wish I could do a whole episode just on that topic, what I just said, alone. But that is the truth. we can we have well, to because of, you know how many women yeah. I say yeah. women because a lot of my clients are women so please I apologize right. <laughs> I know this happens to me too yes yeah. but do you know how many people come to me and they're just like but I can't determine when someone's going to hurt me I can't I yeah. can't how do I know that's going to happen I, I I'm not it's not I'm doing everything right you know I, I'm conscious I'm aware I he, I heal myself I take care of myself I do everything right and they're still hurting me okay so then you have to look at well what are you saying or doing that is leaving you in a sense wide open for an unnecessary feeling like. For instance, do you need to feel pain in order to understand your relationship? Do you need to feel hurt in order to understand your partner? Do you need to understand pain and hurt to understand yourself? Now, for a time, maybe you do. And maybe for generations, you've seen your family do it too. And you're thinking, well, that's the only way you're going to learn. You know, pain is is a teacher and you're going to just be hurt and then you're going to learn from that. Well, yeah. And then eventually you stop because how it's not really fun to think like your whole life is going to be spent just learning from pain. So 
after a while you start, you know, making peace with yourself. Like, okay, you know, there's other ways that I can do this. I don't actually have to only come from pain. I could actually just come from understanding. How about if I just understand what the, my partner's trying to say? Maybe he's crying out for help or she's crying out for help and I can't hear it. I haven't been able to hear it until now. Maybe I've never sat down with them. Maybe I've never held their hand. Maybe I never felt, helped them feel safe or comfortable in my, in my presence. Maybe I've been too manic. Maybe I've been too hurt myself. Maybe I, I've been too traumatized with my own self-thoughts, my own past, and I haven't been present for them. You know, you just don't know. When you haven't looked underneath and seen how many stones you haven't under, overturned, you, if you don't know how many areas you can shift and change, how can you make such quick and fast decisions about another human being? That's my big question. How can you quickly assess and assimilate, oh, this person's not for me, this person's a narcissist, this person's a cheater, this person's an alcoholic. Yeah, but they're also human, and they're also been through life paths similar to yours, and maybe worse. Mm-hmm. And if they're a human being that you can connect with, then bring your healing, pro- your healing energies and your love and your magic and your power and all of your beauty to the relationship. Light them up like a Christmas tree. You could be the Christmas <laughs> holiday yourself. <laughs> Right. Well, you know what? A lot of it, too, is uh, playing the victim and then our reactions, which is very interesting because I, looking back, I was doing that. I was complaining to my girlfriends and my hubby was pushing all my buttons. And (laughs) yes, he's a hot-headed Latino and he, you know, is is very picky about cleaning and telling me about money, saving money. You know, he would just push me and push me and push me until I would start throwing things. I would start screaming. I would start screaming into pillows I would go I would be very calm and then just go insane and when I want to know something really funny about what what? you're saying (laughs) yeah is you had expectations that they that he was supposed to deliver himself in a particular way to you isn't that interesting well just so just to get off my ass (laughs) right but that's an expectation right you should behave like this why aren't you doing that Therefore, I am going to get mad and throw a fit, right? Because you're not doing it the way I want you to. So the interesting thing is when I had a year, was it about a year ago, I had my first uh, shamanic journey with Riz, with your husband. And when I sat down on... (laughs) Yeah, I sat down on the couch and I told him this, well, you know, I have this issue and um, I, I, he treats me like a 12-year-old de- uh, juvenile delinquent. And then uh-huh. Riz looks at me and says, well, do you act like one? Is, exactly. You know, and then, and then at first I said, no, of course not. And then I said, <laughs> wait a minute. And then I go, wait a minute. Um, I guess I do, but he pushes me to be, do it, you know? So, Uh so it was very interesting. So this whole year, so I've been working with him for a whole year, very, very deep work. So you guys out Mm -hmm. there, it's, you've got to do the work, some work on yourself, whether, you know, finding who to work with, but what I've, I've been able to do was clear out a lot. We went way under the hood and cleaned out a lot of mm-hmm. crap and my reactions, I'm no longer, somebody could be yelling at me, screaming mm-hmm. and my reaction, I'm, I'm grounded. That you doesn't mean it. you have to react. So it's my reactions, which has transformed the relationship and not that we don't get you know into what a once woke in a while squabble. Yeah. You know what woke what? me up was when I married Riz and it wasn't because what he was teaching me. It was because I said, oh, I was giving up on men after the fourth marriage. So I said, oh, look at this guy, shaman, spiritual teacher, mystic, (laughs) psychic medium. 
He's praying uh, all the time and meditating, uh, and he's so sweet and so loving, and look yeah. at how big his heart is. I said, this is the Mecca. This is the yeah. Mecca. This is the kind of man. This is the new man. This is what you want. I said, okay, I'll give it one more shot. This, yeah. for sure, I am absolutely going to feel how I want to feel in this marriage. Guarantee it. Yeah. Well, we've been married 10 years, and I am here to say absolutely not. That is not what happened. What happened was <laughs> I realized I came into the marriage with expectations that were a mile long. I had mm-hmm. all these scenarios played out of how I would like the marriage to go. I had uh, exactly him, you know, in a nice little box so he can deliver exactly like a wind-up toy. He had to deliver. This is where I was at back then. And even mm-hmm. though I was a life coach, but I was coming from a different place, not a spiritual place. I was coming from more of motivational, you know, you know, transformational yeah. place, but not, you know, it was more corporate. And so when I started to step into the spiritual aspect, I started to realize, oh, there is no way he's going to meet any of my criteria. It might not even be feasible for anyone. If Riz can't meet it, mm-hmm. what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for some some uh, <laughs> knight in shining armor coming out of the sky and a horse, you know, floating through the air like all of us women think somehow there's this knight in shining right. armor that exists that I don't even know where this person is. But I said to myself, look at what I'm doing. Look at who I'm married to, and I'm still throwing fits. I'm mm-hmm. still throwing fits. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it the way I wanted him to. He didn't say it the way I wanted him to say it. Why did he do it that way? Why didn't he do it this way? And I'm like, am I really doing this? This is really happening. I'm actually doing this in with a person that is the last person on earth that you would think I would be that way with. But I didn't know I was doing that. I thought right. I was just, you know, coming from my heart and coming from love, and I just wanted to, like, be in the throes of love and fall into his arms and he carries me off and, you know, we have this great (laughs) life. And, you know, what's wonderful is we do have a great life, but you know what I didn't realize is I had to actually construct it and build it one step at a time with him. Right. I had to see. the other person's job. Oh, my God. I was so woken up by this. It was extremely humbling and extremely embarrassing. Uh, there was moments I didn't recognize myself in some of the behavior that I had. And Riz mm-hmm. would just be very calm and say, well, that comes from your violent past right there. That's, mm-hmm. oh, look at that. Yeah. That's trauma. And I, was, and I would watch myself, right. and, and I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. I was seeing <sighs> violence. I was seeing aggression. Yeah. I was seeing everything that has ever been done to me by by men and different things that I've experienced since I was in high school all started bubbling yeah. out and started coming forward and I literally was like I was a train wreck and I said oh this is not good this is not good this is really not what I wanted to experience with my new husband and my new like spiritual partner mm-hmm. and you know what he did he rolled up his what? sleeves and he right he says all right here we go we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to do what I do with everybody else. We're just gonna have to do it. And he did. He just guided me and helped me. And and we, you know, had lots of healing journeys and lots of experiences. Mm-hmm. And he just he stuck it out. And you know, there was times where he was thinking, you know, he's not gonna get through to me. He was like, this is too much trauma here, just too much. Yeah. And it's because if you yeah. guys know my past, I mean, if you have time later in another show, I'll explain what happened to me. But. You know, he just didn't think any man can get through this, not even him. And he had to let go of me many times and said, you know what, I've done all that I can do. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, you mean I, I broke the spiritual teacher? <laughs> I broke him? <laughs> oh, no. What does that make me? What happened? Uh, 
no, this is but not what I wanted. I, I wanted I wanted him to yeah. see me with stars in his eyes, and now he's yeah. cleaning up my messes. You know, you can imagine, like, mm-hmm. if you play the role of my husband, like if you're listening and, and you're the Riz in the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. imagine this is how your partner feels. They feel dumb and messy and juvenile, and they feel ridiculous mm-hmm. because you – have it more together than they do, you know, and that's how I felt. I felt like I couldn't say anything right. I couldn't do anything right. I had, you know, my shoes on backwards. Everything was just, it mm-hmm. was painful. And really what was happening was I was realizing how much trauma I had been in. I was finally in a safe environment where I, I was, I was loved and I was, I had like an environment where I can release my pain. And I finally did. And I did not know what was in there. And when it came out, Anybody who met me at that time period who knew me back then in the uh from 2011 to like I don't know 2017 16 17 I was in the throes of dismantling my my trauma and mm-hmm. anybody who met me would have said oh yeah she's just out of her mind she's violent she's aggressive she's crazy something's wrong with her and all I was doing was handling the kind of uh trauma I had experienced for 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. and I was finally facing yeah. it and had to live and breathe and talk and meet people and shake hands and help people and even have coaching sessions with people and, and do my best while I was in the middle of my yeah. own dismantling. And so it was a gut-wrenching time period. But just imagine, like, when you go into a relationship, I always tell people, you just expect it to be just like the candy store all the time. You just want to walk right. in, all the ca- candies are packaged all pretty and everything's ready to be purchased, and you just buy the candy and pop it in your mouth and all is well. And that is exactly the opposite of how creation works and how life works. It is the opposite. As a matter of fact, what you do is you stand back and understand why is there a candy shop? How did it get here? How can I create myself like this? How can I match this frequency? How can I be, how can I be more like candy? How can I share my candy? Like it's, there's so much introspection that goes on into creating a successful relationship. Like there's no end in sight for my husband and I now. This is till death do us part. And even in then some, we're going to continue. Mm-hmm. But right. there's no end in sight because I know exactly why we're here. I know exactly how we got here. I know exactly why we stayed and that makes a more beautiful and wonderful relationship than you roll the dice and just, you know, cross your fingers, hope it works, you know, just like, yeah. just like putting and, blindfolds and, you know, on. Our, and our spirit guides tell us that this is a school. I mean, all of us have, um, if you talk to anybody, somebody, ha- we all had something in our childhood that, you know, messed us up and now we need to clear now. And, and uh, I think as a matchmaker, I also see that people mistake uh, soulmate and perfect match um, for, you know, how good looking the other person is or that sexual attraction um, or their height or, you know, girls, well, I'll only date somebody six feet tall or he's got to have blue eyes or the girl, the guy will say, well, she, you know, her chest has to be a D cup or she has to be a size two or blonde hair or whatever. And there, there's, there's so much focus on the, the external, the outer, that that's, they's like, oh, I could never, I had one guy who was a client and he uh, matched, I matched him with this gal. They were getting along great. He says, what a wonderful woman. But then he says, you know, I'm going to break up with her. And I said, why? And he says, she's just not quite good looking enough to be my wife. And this is something that I, as a millionaire matchmaker, though I know I'm in a different, little bit of a different position, the people I meet, but I've seen it for 18 years. And so I think that this, this 
part of the Western culture or something where everything's shiny and we want the pretty thing. Mm -hmm. That's really been one of the main problems in finding that soulmate, well, as we I'd, say. Or I'd like know, to speak on that, on what you just say said. That was, about that. Um, <laughs> please let me. I would love to. Um, you know, I was one of those um, – you know, I don't know why I was like this because technically I probably shouldn't be like this because I really hadn't earned it at all. But somehow I thought that I could just have a list like that too. So I needed somebody with blue eyes and I needed this and I needed that. And I was a single mom with kids at the time. And, you know, like I still was feeling like I could just call the shots. So I wanted to attract the exactly what you said. I was looking when I started dating and I was looking for, for men that fit that criteria. And they had to have mm -hmm. a certain portfolio. They had to have certain eye color. They had to have this and that. <clears throat> what I have found that the guy in my personal life, the man that I briefly married and had it annulled uh, 18 months later, he had the eye color. I, fi I finally got the eye color I wanted, the ice blue mm -hmm. eyes. I finally mm -hmm. got it. And he was the one that actually hurt me the most out of all the men that I was with. And he was the mm -hmm. one that actually took me to the bank and, like, cleaned me out. He was the one that yeah. actually did the most damage. And I woke up from that and realized, oh, my God, I was going after eye color and didn't see the, her the human being behind it. And now yeah. let's talk about breast implants for a second. Let's talk okay. about breast implants. When I was 24, after nursing three kids, I said, oh, yeah. my God, I need to get breast implants because I didn't know that. Right. At 23 years old, you don't realize that's what's going to happen to you. And I was looking at myself going, this is not okay. And so mm -hmm. I got breast implants 20, at 24, and here I am, 46. I'm counting the seconds before I can get these things out of me. I mm -hmm. am so anxious to get a breast reduction or get the implants out. And the only reason I haven't is because we're still trying to have kids and I need to get through mm -hmm. that process when I have more children. Yeah. So I have to do that first before I can take them out. Um, I have nothing but back problems. There's nothing but pain in my neck. It's heavy. I can't wear cute outfits. I, can't, I don't look as young as I feel because it weighs you down and you look kind of like heavier than you are. When you get older and you have these, I have, my breasts are double D, you know, I'm very open about it because there's a lot of women who are <laughs> suffering with breast implants right now that really want to get yeah. them out. And we're really tired of this status quo that we're supposed to have big, big breasts. My husband right. would be so happy for me to get these out. He has seen me suffer. He has seen me yeah. and what I've been through. He has seen the crying in the, in the, in the store when I'm trying on bras and they're like, it's like wearing a, 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 some kind of armor <laughs> and he's seen yeah. how he picks a beautiful dress for me off the rack and I can't put it on because it doesn't, unless I get it altered. And you know, yeah. nobody talks about these things. These are like the ugly things you're not supposed to talk about. So when you get, right. you know, when people are, are choosing a partner, they're like, Oh, she needs, I, I, I would love for her to have breast implants or women who think, Oh, I need to go get breast implants so that I, I look better. So I have more confidence and I can go out. You know, I'm not opposed to them in general if they're a decent, normal, like, size that fits your body, that feels good. But if you start going mm -hmm. into this extra kind of sexual kind of, like, overemphasizing and objectifying yourself, um, I have attracted all the wrong people. I attracted all the wrong men. It didn't matter what I said, how I acted. They didn't care. They were just looking straight at my chest. And I'm like, well, it's whose fault is that? Whose fault yeah. is that? You know, and I can't get mad at that. So I had to always 
have to like work harder at dis- defending myself when I was younger and to try to get respect. I would go to business meetings wearing a suit uh, it, when I was in sales, and men just sexualized me. And I wanted to look nice. I wanted to wear like a nice pantsuit or something, but there's the big boobs hanging out, you know, and I'm trying to cover them and <laughs> wear big jackets right. and stuff. And the reason I bring these kind of like you, most people would think these are very unnecessary things to talk about, but I talk about unnecessary things. I make a living off of it. This is why, is because there's a reality to when you are connecting with a human being, there's so much more going on than meets the eye. There's so much happening behind the scenes, and people are so focused on the exterior. They're so focused on, does he have a full head of hair? Does he have these color eyes? Mm-hmm. How big is his portfolio? I had I was married, and so this is really good. I'm really glad that I have this portfolio of men to choose from and to give examples to. So my second husband had money. I married him for that reason. My family kind of pushed me into it because I had three kids at the time. I was a young single woman, and they're like, "Oh, he loves you. You should marry." I said, "Well, I." You know, I don't trust him. He, I think he's cheated on me several times. No, you have to marry him. You know, my family's very old school. So I married him. He had money, right? You know what he did? We bought a house. What? He puts me on an allowance, right? Oh, I didn't know what that yeah. was. I was like, an allowance? What's that? And he's like, well, it's just money that I'm delegating to you for you to use for the things that you need every month. How much do you need? And I said, oh, well, I think with the kids and blah, 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 this is what I need. So every month he would give me that amount. Right, And I was still working and everything. I never thought anything of it until a couple times I said, um, I need some extra money for something else I was going to do. And he said, uh, oh, but that's outside of your, your allowance. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? What does that mean, outside of my allowance? What, what is I don't understand. Like, what does that right, mean? Right. And I got very nervous. <laughs> and he's like, well, I allocated a certain amount that you need, and that's all you're going to get for the month. You have to make it work within that. And I felt like I was talking to my dad, like I was 12. Yeah, and I went, yeah. oh, I'm out. I'm out. Bye. And I left him. I could not, and, and he was cheating on me, by the way, but I could not believe. I went, I, I attracted a man with money, but then I go into it thinking that I yeah. – it's all about money, but then he owns me. So how does a woman avoid mm-hmm. that? I would say go into the relationship. If, you, if a man has money, go into the relationship not making it about the money. Even if they have money, even if they mm-hmm. are millionaires, you don't go into it for the reason of – unless you're ready to get owned. If you want to just be owned yeah. by the money because the man will say, okay, well, I'll pay all your bills and you do everything I say. I mean this is the oldest thing mm-hmm. in the book. So if a woman yeah. comes in saying, listen, I'm willing to handle – the responsibility and maturity of what it is like to be with a man with money. They're, they have money for a reason. It's because they, they worked for it and earned it in a certain way that maybe you didn't learn how to do and didn't know what that takes and the kind of, kind of conversations that they've had and the kind of meetings that they've had and the kind of business deals that they've had and the kind of things that they've had to put up with and handle. Maybe we hadn't put ourselves in situations like that, so we're not millionaires, so we don't know. So we go into these relationships thinking that they're going to solve all the problems. But what you can do to make it work, if, if I give advice to somebody who wants to, to date a millionaire or marry a millionaire, what I would say is this. Mm-hmm. You walk into it looking at the human being. You walk into it looking at the soul, the, the heart of that person. Because each person, doesn't matter how big your, your bank account is, they, each and every one of them has a heart. Each and every person has a soul. Each and every person, there is a way you can get to them and communicate with them through love, and it is possible. You know, I'm not saying it's all going to be a success story every single time, but if a woman comes in like that and holds her ground and not, like, signs her life away, 
she could still maintain her independence and still have a lot of fun and still enjoy her life and be an equal partner and handle and match the frequency of the millionaire. Or else you're just yeah. going to be in a, in a slavery situation. I hate to be bold about this, but this is the reality. And if you want success with your matchmaking and you want uh, women want success with their millionaire matchmaker, they have to come in with their head on straight and be very connected to their heart and really understand what they're walking, walking into. Do you agree with that, Marla? Yeah, and I always tell women to get their own thing going, um, save their money, exactly. be smart about it. And a man, most men, my clients, want a woman who also yes. has something going on. She, they'll Absolutely. take care of the bills, but she does, they don't want her just sitting there waiting for him to do everything Thank or you. for her to just go shopping. They want yes. somebody when they go to a business party, when they bring her in to meet their, their clients or their equals or their family or whatever, they want somebody that, that's, you know, smart and that's um, at kind of at their level. Um, yes. Yeah, not You just know what would really be needy. funny? Is if you took what? the millionaire part of it out and they just yeah. go on strict, you go on strict just uh, communication between two individuals, like a matchmaking without right. the millionaire, because <laughs> that gives the, the ideas. People start freaking out about that. They're like, well, what am I supposed to do? All you're supposed to do is be yourself and be a normal human being yeah. and be connected to who you are. But I do see the appeal and I do why I do know why uh, people do want to be matched. And I do also know, I have known uh, not many millionaires, but several millionaires who have, um, said how difficult it is in the dating scene and going through a service like yours is imperative. They don't have time to right. go out and try to, you know, like talk to random people. They need to actually have it more structured, like what you offer is so perfect for that. So, and now um, it's not just, even million, millionaire isn't even a big deal anymore. It's multi-millionaire I know, it's or, women will, or women will say, <laughs> I want to meet a billionaire. I can't ha tell you how many wow. women say, I want to meet, I want to meet a billionaire. I'm like, listen, honey, billionaires uh, are very hard to pin down and they can, yeah. women are throwing themselves at them and oh, yeah. luck with, with doing that, you know, just like dating a basketball uh, NBA player right. or something, you know, don't we hear about how they're always cheating and, you know, because the women are throwing themselves at them or a rock star. You know, it's it's a whole different different ball game. But tell us, you know, about no matter how we look at it, Marla, when women yeah. come to uh -huh. see you, and you're a healer as well right. as a matchmaker, right. when women yeah. come to see you, you know what they don't realize is yes, they come in because they want the you know to the, the be matched with a millionaire, yeah. right? Yeah. But you know what they're really going to find out through working with you is that they have to really, you know, go into themselves and look into themselves and really do some work on themselves. And just like hopefully the man will do when, when they arrive into their life. Um, this is not just a, a is, we're not bartering, you know, this is not the mm -hmm. 1500s, yeah. right? So <laughs> exactly. women are, oh are actually going to get educated going through your service and they're going to be, right. they're, they're going to be upgraded because they have to take themselves more seriously with more respect in, in some cases where they don't realize that that's what it's going to take to be yeah. more conscious. Yeah, absolutely. Conscious. Now to, for anybody who's listening to this today, Monday, um, November 18th, 2019, Oriah has an event tonight in Los Angeles. Just tell, tell people about that. Yes. Um, tonight is the first night that I am having a mastermind live event in Mystic Journey Yoga and Crystal Room. It's a beautiful healing center with giant crystals, and, and everyone will be sitting amongst them. It's in L.A. And I'm going to be talking about what it takes 
to actually heal yourself. What is the mechanics of it? What what goes into it? How do you how do you reprogram yourself? How do you stop patterns? How do you stop the pain? How do you stop being overwhelmed? Or if you are a healer, how do you go deeper? How do you find out more? How do you go into more experiences that you want? How to be more effective with your clients? I go to the core root. It's like going to the root chakra of your conversations with yourself. I show you how easy it is to go into the deepest part of you and understand who you are and why you're making the choices you're making so you're not swinging in the dark. And that's the biggest concern I see with people is they feel very lost and they feel like they have you know, a blindfold on and they're just swinging and they just hope they hit something right. And you don't have to do it that way. But, you know, after decades of doing it one way and they've been, you know, afraid to open their eyes, afraid to connect to themselves, afraid to see what's in there, I have devised a, it's kind of like my own um, special technique. It's it's like a, a formula that I use that helps people to to connect with themselves in a way that's not scary so that they can go in and, and, and go deep inside of themselves without fear that they are going to get in too deep and they won't be able to get out because some people are afraid to look at what's under the hood. They don't want to see what's under there. It's scary. So I have over the years of being a shaman and trauma life coach, I have like devised a very fun and very articulate and very exciting and an enjoyable way for you to actually communicate with yourself, connect to yourself, find these little core areas that are causing you problems and reprogram yourself. It's a very it's it's more technical than just meditating or more technical than going to just a, a healer just to get service. It's actually you're taking matters into your own hands and all of the other modalities you can go to it kind of helps with that and helps to empower your healing experience. But it's the conversation, it's the words, it's what you're saying, it's how you speak to yourself that's the most important. So that is what my talk is about tonight, and it's a, uh, I'm hoping to have a series that's going to be ongoing in different locations, and, um, okay. and I'm also posting it, I will be posting it on my YouTube show called Modern Day Shaman, and mm-hmm. you can go and see my first episode, and eventually down the road we'll be posting this live talk on my episode also. But yeah, yeah I'm so really go excited. Go, go um go uh you guys go um what do you call it subscribe to her her mm-hmm. youtube uh, channel the modern day shaman is it the modern day shaman or just modern day shaman modern day shaman it's just modern, modern day, day shaman, shaman. and okay. it's a uh it's a docu style reality show so it's based on mm-hmm. uh my life and the things that I've gone through and what I'm going through as a modern day shaman which is uh, we didn't talk about it today but it's just um it's being a shaman, but you're living in the everyday world. It's not being removed. I am not on the mountaintop. Um, that doesn't, and I don't, you know, like ever come down off the mountain and, and talk to people. It's, it's. I'm actually in reverse. I'm in the trenches with people. I'm actually in the conversations with them and doing the healing work while I'm living a quote-unquote normal life is whatever normal <laughs> looks like <laughs> to people. But like just, you know, being a mom and a wife and and trying to have my creative yeah. pursuits. And um, yeah. it takes guts, you know, doing, you know, living this life takes guts. And I think having conversations like this, I think you having this podcast, I think letting people tell their story and opening the door for dialogue is so imperative in each other's lives. I think we need to continue that and continue sharing and, and exploring these conversations. So I just really applaud you, Marla, um, for doing this, this podcast, actually, 
It's been very, it's something I've thought about doing myself, but I'm so glad you did it. Oh, thank you. And tell people about your book. Oh, yeah. So uh, I wrote a book called The Little Book of Sanity. It's a fast read. It even has illustrations on each page. So that tells you it's a really, it's a, it's meant to be a quick, fast read. You can read it in 35 minutes. People have told me they have had to read it 10 times. It's basically, it took 10 years for me to write it. It's channeled. And how I wrote it was to make you laugh and also understand the basic rules of engagement to become your most sane self. If you feel like you're losing it or you feel like your life is inside out, upside down, and you don't know how to straighten it back out, this is a fast, quick way to get reconnected to who you are and reconnected to why you're doing the things you're doing. It, gets, it puts you in the driver's seat very quickly. And I use a lot of humor because I feel like humor is the fastest way to get people to to understand, you know, what's happening. And I only use humor. It's never in these discussions, but I only use humor when I'm actually doing surgeries on people. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I don't do it in the talks like this. I only do it. What was that? What do you mean? It's only when it's really serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Surgeries. What what is that? Surgeries. When I'm doing deep uh, reprogramming surgeries, I use a lot of humor because it just really, really helps. It's like going to see the dentist and he makes you laugh. It makes it easier. So that's how I really, truly believe that. And I, and I love that you have a sense of humor and, and it was such (laughs) a great thing to meet you and, and connect with you. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, if, are you talking about energetic surgeries? Like when you talk about doing surgeries on people? Yeah. You know, it's if you've never been exposed to, you know, these types of psychic surgeries or energetic surgeries, um, to use a different type of terminology, I guess I could say it's similar to a therapist session in which a therapist would ask you a lot of questions and you would answer, and what they're doing is gathering information about why you're making the choices you're making. So most people understand that dynamic. What I do is I I go a little deeper than that. So what I do is I I hold your hand essentially through language and I walk you through the deepest part of you that even is the is the one who made the decision. Why did you make that decision? Where are you coming from when you made that decision? Who was involved when you made that decision? When was the first time you experienced that? And why did you do it like that from that place? What informed you? What was the information? Was it was it family? Was it patterns? Just, you know, you didn't realize that that's why you were doing it or was it because your mom always does it that way? Or is it because you read it somewhere in a book that you're supposed to do it that way? A lot of people don't realize why they make the decisions they make and then they get unhappy Mm -hmm. when they see the results. So what I do is I do what's called reverse engineering. So I track back your decision-making process to your source files, which is the core place that you're coming from. And and go to the person who's making the decision to ask questions to that person inside of you. It's the deep, It's one of the deepest mm. surgeries you can possibly do because it's like in a computer, it's like going to the, the main programming of what's behind the scenes. And why it's so effective is because when you do make your decision and you change your belief system, your core belief, what happens is the, anything you do from that moment on, all decisions you make are authentic, and they change. They're no longer 
coming from the past because you have been re, what I call reprogrammed. So that helps you to see yourself, helps you to see where you were coming from, helps you to see why you made that decision, and helps you make new choices that feel better for you. And if it's not authentic, to me it doesn't exist. If you're not living an authentic experience, then you're just kind of going through the motions, but nothing actually lands. So it's very important that it has to be authentic, and there's only one way to know. You have to buy it. That means you have to believe it. If you don't believe it, it's not real, it's not going to stick, and it's not going to change. It doesn't matter how many affirmations you do. It doesn't matter how many things you say to yourself. If you actually don't believe at the core level that you can have that and you don't believe that it's, it's real, then it's not going to work. And that's why so many people are frustrated and they say, I've been in spirituality for 15 years and I don't know, it's still not working. And I'm like, well, did you go right. deep enough? You have to go yeah. all the way. You got to go take that elevator to the first floor. We got to get out of that elevator. See what's in the basement. We got to go down to your root chakra. We got to go down to the core of who you are. And so most people get a little nervous when I say that. They start shaking in their boots. They're like, "No, that sounds terrifying. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't want to go in there. Just leave that. <laughs> leave it alone. Leave it alone." But what I say is, "Don't worry. You're in good hands. It's really fun." Yeah. They're like, "It's fun. I don't see anything fun about this." And I said, "No, don't worry. It is fun, and I'll show you." So then I guide them through the process, and they do see that it's not as scary as they think. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, they go you, in, you and they have, have a lot of fun. You have to do that deep work. It took, I spent thousands of dollars on different things over the years, and I still found myself with the same issue until I started mm-hmm. going real deep, you know, with rooms mm-hmm. for a year. It took, it took, and it mm-hmm. was like kicking my ass, but the results yeah. were so <laughs> profound, and it, it, it was fun and hard. But that's what life's yeah. about. I mean, you don't you don't go to the gym yeah. and just you know run around right. one time or go on the treadmill for five minutes. You know, there has no pain, no gain is what they say. So you <laughs> do have to have some feeling of of doing something, lift, doing some heavy right. lifting. There, I mean, if you the you kind of know it's something's happening because you do feel that it's you're going into the more authentic side of you. So that's how yeah. you know that yeah. this is real. This is not just you guys are just. Uh, kind of talking surface, you know, you're actually going deep Mm -hmm. enough where it is impacting you and you start to get uncomfortable because you're like, whoa, this is a little too intimate. I can't go here. And you're like, well, isn't that what life is all about is your intimate relationships with yourself and other people. So if you can't discuss that, then you can't get to the areas that you need to change. So that's why, you know, my husband and I, we take it very seriously and we take it upon ourselves to, because we have the guides always helping us, you know, uh, through our mm-hmm. resist trans channeling. Um, we've taken it upon ourselves to take on this side of the spiritual experience of healing. We've taken on, we've kind of like isolated this area of uh, spiritual healing, which is really about programming. And we go deep into the core. And, you know, my husband and I are getting pretty well known for this actually this technique Mm -hmm. that we have and we have a lot of fun doing it we do it completely different we teach totally different Um, I teach basically how I'm speaking right now and my husband is much more dramatic and he's more theatrical than I am (laughs) but he's a lot of fun (laughs) he's a lot of fun yeah Yeah. and uh, we have our circle of light yep yeah our circle of light is his yeah. yeah go ahead sorry well, if people want to come to see uh, Riz Channel, uh, right now we're in Southern California. Um, you know, we do some out-of-state and international trips, but uh, for, for just the circle. But what it is is a uh, is a channeling group, and it has about 20, 25 to thirty people per 
um, session, and they last about three hours. And he does a he goes into trance state, and he leaves his body and channels spirit guides. And his main messenger is Red Eagle, who was an actual entity, a person who actually lived on the planet and had vis- started visiting Riz about 13 years ago or, or a little bit longer and started giving him messages that he wanted to speak through him. And my husband was a heavy metal musician and an actor in New York and took his the arts very seriously and he didn't know anything about channeling and, and this whole world. And so it was very new to him when he started to experience um, these beings coming through him. And so um, it's a long journey. It was a long story, and it's very beautiful how he arrived here. But he's one of the tr- top trans channels in the world now at this point. Um, and I don't know if, if it's his he was born to do it or if it's personality or, you know, I'm not sure what is the criteria, but all I know is it works. And and his messages are profound, and the people that come through, the guides, uh, non-human entities also that come through, they're all very angelic beings. Um, give very specific messages to everybody in the group, and they're kind of messages at the soul level that only that person would understand. So, and they also do medium uh, work, uh, mediumship as well. So, people are very moved, and it, it changes their lives. And um, so, if anybody's interested and wants to see where we host our circles right now, we're doing a tour of the Southern California Yoga Studios, and you can go to rizmirza.com. R I Z m-i-r-z-a.com but everything i'm speaking about kind of in shorthand today a lot of it uh was you know things that i've gathered over the years uh working with the guides having them guide me and 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 work on me first and i learned it and i was already a life coach so it was easy for me to assimilate it and bring it to my clients and now i am not looking back i mean i'm just taking off with it (laughs) it's an awesome experience (laughs) It's so great. So how can people connect with you directly, um, Oriah? Yes, perfect. So if you go to my website, it's Awaken the Healer Within, all one sentence, awakenthehealerwithin.live. That is my website, and on there is all the information on how to get a hold of me and how to um, come to my event tonight and just connect with me. So um, I'd love for you to subscribe, be a part of my newsletter. I'll stay in contact with you. If you want a session, I do over-the-phone sessions, Skype sessions. Um, Once in a while I do in-person. Right now I'm leaning towards doing speaking events and – in a, I'm leaning in a in a very strong way <laughs> of doing speaking yeah. events and and more group uh, workshops and things like that. So, um, if anybody's interested in knowing more or would like to know how I can uh, help with leading a workshop, that would be great. They can contact me. And, and it looks like Oriah and I might be doing a workshop together in yes. the spring, you guys. So we'll be yes. uh, keeping you abreast of that. That will be in in Southern California. Yes, so I'm looking really forward to that. A lot of so much that's going to be such a rejuvenation um retreat it's going to be a little two-day retreat for you to decon just disconnect and de destruct and and deliver <laughs> your whole uh mm-hmm. your spiritual journey all in one room with with marla and i and a group of people in a small group and you're going to be able to really go deeper into these conversations and you can uh really just relax and and eat good food and heal yourself. It's kind of like a place to go and recalibrate and get some deep information and uh, really help you on your journey and help you move things along in your life. 
So we'll let you know when that's happening, but it's going to be in the spring of 2020. Yep, so subscribe right. to yep. both of our newsletters. They're at our website, mindsmarlamartinson.com, and Oriah is awakenthehealerwithin.live. And thank you so much, Oriah, for being with us. I can't believe it's been almost an hour and a half of conversation. It just goes by so quick. It went um, so fast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing more, and um, much love, everyone. Until next time, bye. Bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.